we are back with the Square State Sandlot podcast. I would just like to offer everyone a wonderful Thanksgiving break. Um, it's been a little different over here because nobody has Thanksgiving off, so we just had to have dinner and then everybody leave. But really, I hope everyone else over in the states enjoyed their time off. And we are going to get back to what we do best in talking sports. Beautiful. I would like to start with the Warriors. It's been a couple weeks since we talked about them. And it has been a fun and interesting couple weeks. The Warriors have been on a tear. They are leading the NBA. Right now they stand 16-2. and two. And they took down the Nets uh, five games ago, and they absolutely destroyed them. And Steph Curry really took it to them. And he was, you know, the show, the best fun in the NBA to watch, in my opinion. I think that's why they ha- hold, like, the – I think they hold, like, top five Right now, uh, most viewers in the NBA. Yeah, it wouldn't last, surprise me if they were you know. number one, honestly. The the brand of basketball they're putting out there every day is just so exciting to watch. So, um, And they are, the Nets show really performed. Yeah. He killed it. And it, just the ridiculous shots that he was making proved why he is number one in the TV network. Yeah, he scored 37 points, and I want to say he had like eight, ten assists, something like that. It was it was a great game. Uh, honestly, Wiggins, Draymond, they they all played pretty well in that game. Um, but the thing that stood out to me was <clears throat> Wiggins really played shutdown defense on Durant. He definitely scored quite a few points, and then they were switching between Wiggins and um, Draymond, and, and they played really good defense against them, and then. Um, Poole really played great defense against um, Harden as as well as Wiggins, and they really op, uh, neutralized them. I think 19 was, yeah, Durant had 19, Harden had 24, so it was just a great all-around defensive uh, push by the, by the Warriors, and I think they have the number one defense in the league right now, so not shocking to see that, but obviously the, the level of competition they were able to do that against was was quite impressive, so uh, they they their records now up to seventeen and two, and they're they're getting ready to face uh, the the Clippers today in just a little bit. Um, but they've they put up some pretty impressive wins against Philadelphia. Obviously, Embiid wasn't out there, so that that's not exactly they're facing their best. Uh, but they still beat them by twenty, and then they beat uh, Dame Lillard and and the Portland Trailblazers by fifteen just Friday night. So. Obviously, they're playing really good basketball. Um, even when they played their scrubs against Detroit, I think Curry took the night off. Um, who else took the night off? Do you remember? It was Curry, Draymond, uh, GP2. Yep. Uh, uh, what's his face? The old guy. <laughs> the old guy. Um, yeah. Just looking here through the notes. Yeah, it looks like... 
Poole had 32, Wiggins had 27. So obviously they were they were playing quite well. Um, I think the person that has really impressed me, especially in the last couple games, is uh, Juan Toscano Anderson. He's been playing. He's always known for his defense, but he's actually been getting involved in uh, the scoring lately, uh, especially against that in that Philadelphia game. Uh, he had a couple putback slams off off the rebound and uh, a couple cuts to the basket where Curry hit him while he was taking all the attention and just slammed him home. So really good to see that. And then he's been hitting some some open threes as well when needed. So um, again, they're, they've got the best record in basketball right now. Um, and obviously we already talked about them playing the, the, or the Clippers today. And then the Phoenix Suns, I think they've won 13 in a row now. Does that sound right? And that sounds right. So the, one of the questions you posed was, have they played good enough competition to warrant championship praise? And they definitely yep. played some really good teams, but this this will be a true test. They've already beaten the Clippers once, but those next two games after the Clippers are both against the Phoenix Suns, one at home, one away. So I think that'll be a really good indication of where they are right now. And obviously, with the caveat that they still have Wiseman and Clay rehabbing, um, we should be seeing Clay probably pretty soon. They're still earmarking that Christmas game as the most likely time for him to come back, but he has already gotten full full pla- full practice clearance, so he's already yeah. already back practicing fully with the team. Uh, you can tell he's really getting emotional as, as this journey nears the end of the, the recovery. Um, I don't know if you saw that. Almost clip. 900 days out. Yeah. Without and playing at. He sat on the court side and just sat in his seat with a <clears throat> towel over his head and just soaked it all in after that last game against, uh, who was it? Portland? Yeah, I think it was Portland. Yeah, he just Portland. sat courtside, and after the game, they'd already done all the press conferences. They've already done everything. Players are already in the locker room. He's just sitting there in that chair, uh, just soaking it all up. Just You can see him just anticipating getting back out there, and, and obviously we're both excited for that, as is the entire NBA. Uh, he's one of those beloved players that everyone wants to see succeed and, and come back healthy. So Obviously, yeah. that's... And I, I'm... But I'm so excited for him to come back. Yeah. But my whole mentality has been going towards where are, like, I, I understand Wiseman. He's going to come back and he's gonna, going to, I assume, maybe come off the bench for uh, Looney. John Blake. Looney. There you go. Kevon Looney. Yep. He's going to come off the bench for Looney. I imagine he's going to. Like, yep. they're a better team with Looney on the out there. But where does uh, Clay like start in this team? Where do where is he going to like start out? Is he going to like come off the bench, play a couple minutes, like you know, ten to fifteen minutes right off the bat? Are they going to slowly produce him into the playoffs? Or are they going to just push him out there? Like, how would you 
play Clay Thompson in this. I mean, they're the best team in the league. They are clicking on all cylinders. Everybody is performing. Where would you put a star player like Clay Thompson in this lineup? I think it's going to be pretty tough to for for Steve Kerr to do that because you know Clay's going to be pushing to be out there every minute. Um, and if he's 100%, then, I mean, it makes all the sense in the world to get one of the best players in the NBA out there in regular minutes. But you're always going to have that fear of, well, what if he gets injured because we're, we're pushing him back too quickly uh, and then he's out another year or whatever, two years. Um, that would just be an absolute killer. I, I would hate to see that happen. So that's why I think it would be best to uh, start him as the, the sixth man where he's the first player coming off the bench, uh, picking up minutes, and, and just easing back into it uh, and building his minutes up towards the, the playoffs because like, ultimately it just takes one fluke for him to get injured anyway. So you're not going to not put him out there at all. Uh, but I think obviously minimizing those risks and not playing him in back-to-back games, things like that, they, they can do to to help ensure that he stays uh, healthy throughout the season. And even if he works his way up into regular minutes, starting rotation, he's taken over for Pool, and Pool goes back into that six-man spot. Um, I still don't think you play him in back-to-back games and things like that when they when they have those. So. That that would be my solution is is working back in as the sixth man. Eventually, he takes over Poole's position and he slides into that sixth spot and just refrain from playing him in back to back days, anything like that to to reduce the injury risk. And obviously, if you get him back for half the season, and I think he's going to make all the the difference in the world for a team that's already clicking. It's just going to be that much better. So. Yeah, perfect. I agree pretty wholeheartedly. Like, uh, it is going to take time. He's been, like I saw yesterday, it was like 695 days without playing a game in the, in the NBA. So he can't just come back and, like, start in the starting position. He's going to take time. Yep. to come back and learn his role, especially with the new team. I mean, it's two years out. The team is completely different than what he's used to. So he's got to, you know, take the time to learn how everyone else is playing. And, you know, with a guy like Poole playing so well right now, and basically you're coming in to take his spot, you're going to have to learn how everyone else is feeling about that. and Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think it'll take him long to get back in there just because it's still the same offensive system. He's still going to have the same role. Right. It's just going to be used to getting – or just be getting used to playing with other players. But at the end of the day, it's still Steph and Draymond as the main two ball handlers, and he'll just be catching the ball and shooting when he's open. So – and then obviously yeah. playing world class defense as we're used to. So it's gonna be perfect. It's gonna be exciting to see him get back out there for sure. It's gonna be a very emotional game, I think, not only for just him, but for all the all of his teammates and obviously all the, the fans of the Warriors and probably the NBA even. Um 
But moving on from the Warriors, we got a little situation still going on in Philadelphia with, yeah. with Ben Simmons. Uh, there's rumors that he is going broke, which I think that was the, the motivation for him showing up at the beginning of the season anyway, is just because he wanted to collect that paycheck and the uh, the Sixers were not paying him. They withheld that $8.25 million from his salary until he showed up. Then he shows up, but then he doesn't want to practice, so they start fining him. So really he hasn't been getting paid because even when he did show up for practice, practice then he said well i have mental health issues so i'm going to stay away from the team and i'm seeing this doctor and the the sixer said well we want you to see our team doctor and he wouldn't so they started finding him for not showing up to those meetings so really he showed up for no reason because he hasn't been getting paid with all the fines that they're they're divvying out to him for not seeing their their team doctors not showing up for practice when he does show up he doesn't want to participate so Doc has really just basically said, I'm done with him. If you want to play, let's let's work towards playing, but you're gonna to to practice and and that's it. So Yeah. Apparently he is going broke with all of the like you said, the fines and everything going on. He's not getting paid. He has what I've read is three different homes in Philadelphia. All of the about to, I believe, like thirty to forty million in homes, in just homes, That's and him insane. getting fined on top of that. I, uh, yeah, he's not making any money, but he also, apparently, allegedly, likes to buy a car, a brand new car every month. Huh. This is from what I read. So. I mean, all of these, like, big-time spending and his, you know, ill-advised actions toward the team, he's not getting paid. Do you foresee any solution upcoming? Like, whether that be with the Sixers yeah. or him getting traded elsewhere? With all, in my opinion, and I'm more of an emotional, like, dealer, I don't see anybody wanting to touch him because how he is acting. Yeah. Who wants to touch him? Plus, he's not performing. It's not like he is, you know, Damian Lillard. He was just not happy in Portland, allegedly. But, you know, just <laughs> he's just not happy where he's at. But he's also an all-star. And that's not Ben Simmons right now. Ben Simmons is not playing to the all-star ability for him to be acting like, you know, he can just go request a trade and go anywhere. Yeah. Nobody wants him. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing is, obviously the last we saw of him was, was not good play, and that's kind of left a sore, sore taste in everyone's mouth in terms of external teams and even his own team. Um, Doc Rivers basically said he'll never win it or he'll never be able to win a championship with him as his point guard. And obviously that probably pissed off Ben Simmons and leading to him wanting out essentially. Um, which 
I don't know if you can win with him. I don't think he's a point guard. I think he makes more sense at like small forward or something. He's got the size, he's got the athleticism, but he can't shoot. So if you're if you're a point guard, I mean, and you can't shoot, the the essential role there is creating spacing and divvying out the ball. Um, and if if you can't shoot, if there's no threat for that, there's no real spacing that you can create because no one's going to guard you over the top for screens or anything like that. So I don't know where yeah. he'll end up. I don't think there's a, a way that he can return to Philadelphia and it makes sense for all parties involved. Um, but I don't really see a, a trade partner out there that's going to be willing to give up what the, the 76ers want in return for him. It, but it doesn't make sense to me because Philadelphia is essentially saying we can't win with him because he's not a good player, but then they're also asking for like three first round picks in return or players of that qual of that caliber. And it's like, well, which way is it? Can you, is he not a good player or is he a great player that you need picks in return for? It just doesn't make sense so, to me. None of it makes sense whatsoever. And I don't understand, like, I don't know if Philadelphia is just offering way too much just trying to get meat in the middle. Yeah. But they are asking like crazy amounts. Yeah. For Ben Simmons. And like the the shit that I see like uh Golden State you, you want to give up like Wiseman and Wiggins and uh Kaminga and Moody to yeah. get Ben Simmons. And I was like holy crap that is the worst thing that I've ever seen. It's almost like you want to trade my TV for like what you have in your trash can. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it, it's just insane to me. Yeah. There is zero proof that Ben Simmons is the player that I uh, I don't know that he's come up the hyped hyped up to be. Yeah, he is not I... that kind of player, and it, it's just crazy to me that anybody would even think so. And I can't say that he's not a good player. No, he's, I, I, he is good. I, he's NBA talent. For sure. For sure. But he is not the, you know, all-star NBA, first team, whatever. The, and I, I think he is an all-star caliber player, but I look at him more like uh, Wiggins. They have similar play style, similar size. I think Wiggins is probably a little bit quicker and has better hops. Um but I think play style, they're very similar. They're both quick quick to the basket. They can obviously finish at the hoop. Um, not great shooters, but they can hit open threes occasionally, which Wiggins has actually been shooting pretty pretty good this season, a lot better than he has in the past. So uh, not, not a perfect comparison, but in, in just looking at play style, I think they're very yeah. similar. But they're, they're basically asking for like set, or Steph Curry return for an Andrew Wiggins type player. Um, and I yeah. think, I don't know what the Warriors, I can't remember what the Warriors gave up for Wiggins, but I would think that's probably the, the comparable package that they would get for Simmons. Um, and that's probably what they should be asking for, not not what they are asking for. But I believe it's Daryl Morey, Morey that's their GM now. And he basically said, look, I, I'm ready to... to 
stay in these trenches for, for four years, which is the length of his contract. If, if that's what he wants to do, buckle up because it's not going to end anytime soon. We're not giving up. We're not giving him up for minimal value in return. So I don't know. I think the more this drags on, the, the less comfortable it is for everyone involved. So I would hope that it, there's some kind of uh, resolution sometime soon because for Ben, I think it makes sense for him to get out on the on the court. And for the team, I think it makes sense for them to get something for him because he's not making a difference for them off the court, just sitting out all the time, um, other than they're recouping some of his salary by finding him over and over. But that's about <laughs> it. So who cares? Yeah. So I think that's probably all we had with NBA. So let's move on to the NFL. Just a couple things. Uh, Gruden, I don't know if we alluded to this in the last one or not, but he is suing the NFL uh, basically for the, the loss of his job. And his team, his legal team, is asking for the release of all the emails, which how many did it total up to? Like 650,000 emails or something like that? Well, I haven't heard. Yeah, there's there's a ton of emails out there, and for some reason the the ten emails involving Gruden came out, and obviously I think they have a, a case in that regard. That why were his the only ones that were leaked? Uh, who leaked them? If it was someone from the NFL, obviously you want some of the stuff to get out. So let's let's unveil it all. Uh, NFL is basically saying we're we're not releasing the emails. Period. End of story. Uh, and even going through this case, they did a verbal um, summary instead of a, a written summary. So it couldn't get out there. Basically, everyone in the room is the only people that have heard the written summary. Um, Mark Davis, obviously, was a giant supporter of these emails all coming out because he wants to see what's in there, not just what affected him. Uh, I'm very interested. In fact, Congress is, has asked for these emails to be released. The NFL basically told Congress no. And so now there may be some subpoenas and all that just to see what's in there. So um, I think this is just the, the very beginning of the story. And it's something that NFL definitely doesn't want to come out, obviously, uh, especially with that. I don't know if you saw the Stan Kroenke and the city of St. Louis finally reached a settlement on that court filing that they had for, for the Rams basically leaving the city of St. Louis and lying in the negotiations. Uh -huh. So the NFL and Stan Kroenke are going to pay $790 million to the city of St. Louis for, for them leaving town. Um, Stan Kroenke had told all the NFL owners that he would take care of all the legal fees and then backed off of that and said, you know, this is an NFL matter. So now he's asking for all the other owners to pitch in, which $790 million, that's not a small amount of money. And I don't know if that's all going to have to be paid up front or if they, they do payments on that. But it, yeah, I don't know. The NFL has a couple of black eyes right now, and I think they're just hoping that this all goes away. Um, any thoughts on, on the Gruden stuff? Well, as far as I heard, like – I'm just like, yeah, you know, on Instagram looking at it, and I just saw that Gruden was suing the NFL for malicious intent. Uh, apparently, he feels that 
the NFL was going after him personally. It, I and, mean, it definitely appears I mean, that way. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I can't disagree with that, but that's as far as I heard. Yeah. I didn't hear anything about like, like anything else towards that, but. Yeah. I mean, he basically, I, I don't know what him and Mark Davis settled on. Um, essentially Mark gave him a settlement, which I don't feel like he had to do since there was cause, unless there was no cause, um, clause in his contract. Um, so I, I don't know what's all there, but basically he lost six years and 60 million on that contract. So that's probably right. what he's suing the NFL for, which that's just a drop in the bucket for the NFL. But when you add that 790 million, they're going to have to pay out to the city of St. Louis. That's you're, you're approaching that billion dollar settlement there. So I think they'll probably settle with Gruden if he's willing to do so. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily a monetary thing for him. If I were to guess, he's probably set up for for now and for the future with his finances. But I think Gruden, rather than settle, I think he would probably go to court just so he can try to get these emails released rather than just taking the money with, with a settlement. So I'm, I'm definitely interested in seeing what happens with that. But outside of that, why do you uh, think he would rather settle for, to try and get the emails released if they're his emails? Well, his are already out there. He wants to see the other 600 plus thousand emails because basically he's What the are only these emails covering? Everything. So it's these are all the emails from the the Washington football team for the last X amount of years. So the the thought is all of this is pointing towards Dan Snyder, the owner of the team, and he's already been punished with, I think it was a $10 million fine, and then he had to step down as the owner of, or the acting CEO or whatever of the Washington football team. So what they did with that is they made his wife the CEO or president, whatever. So basically he's telling his wife what to do or probably just still running it. And they're just saying on paper that it's his wife that's running the football team. So basically there was no punishment. And I think that's why Gruden, he's already taken the fall for all this. So he wants to see what else is in there and wants the, the rest of the NFL to be exposed for whatever's going on in that culture. So I, like I said, it wouldn't surprise me if he was like, I don't need a settlement. Let's, let's take it to court and see what happens. So yeah, this is all brand new to me. I have yeah. not heard any of this. This is fantastic. Yeah, so that's what I'm kind of watching for in in that case. And I don't know where they're at in terms of legal proceeding. I just know that they feel like they have a case. He's he's hired a lawyer and and will be suing the NFL. So, um, but with that being said, we got an interesting question for you. So we're through almost 12 weeks of the NFL now. Um, right. Who do you have as a legitimate team in the NFL? I know it's all crazy right now, but. Yeah, that is a, I've been thinking about it a little bit here and there. It's a hard question to answer, I think, because I don't really have a uh, AFC, you know, leader. There's no one 
that I'm thinking is so good that, you know, I want to put it at the top. Like, you usually have the Patriots at the top, blah, blah, there might be somebody else. In the NFC, there are, you know, at least five legitimate contenders. And I don't know who to actually put on top because I, I want to say Green Bay. Green Bay has such a good team. But, you know, they go and beat Arizona with, you know, their top three receivers out. And the defense playing awesome. And now their defense is hurt even more. Now their offensive line is hurt. Yep. And, you know, they just lost Minnesota last week. Well, Arizona is playing well again. They're, what, 9-2? and two? Yep. But, you know, it. I can't say that they are the most legitimate team. Well, I mean, they went, the Rams? they went 2-3 and three against or without Kyler Murray at quarterback. So that's a pretty good testament to the depth on that team. And I, I believe D-Hop actually missed two of those three games as well. So I would say that they're a pretty legitimate threat. And then I think the Rams are also pretty legit. Uh, but it's hard to say. It's hard to say that the Rams, I mean, who did they lose to in these last weeks? Yeah. You know, they got killed by the 49ers absolutely throttled yeah i don't know it seems like they struggle against the 49ers every year and i don't know why that is but it, ever since kyle shanahan's been on the the 49ers coaching staff i think they're like one in five against them and then against everyone else they seem to dominate so and that's that's the tough thing about the nfl right now is you don't really know because like you have the Titans beat everyone else in the league, and then they lose to the Jets, and they lose to the Texans. It just doesn't make sense. So I, I can't pick somebody. Yeah, and then and it's like the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I didn't have them for shit this uh, off season, and then they, you know, straddle out, you know, five six wins in a row. Yep, and now they can't win against anybody. Yeah, but. I want to pick them against your, you know, Raiders, and they lose to the Raiders. And they lost to the Broncos, too. They're, they're one and three against the AFC West, and the AFC West, I think, has some, some decent teams in there, but I don't know that they're, you know, top to bottom, they're not a very good conference. Right. The, the Raiders are a good team. I believe that. But the Broncos beat them. Did they shut them out? I don't even remember. Yeah, pretty much. I think. I think. I think they scored like two touchdowns in like the last three minutes or something. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember. I remember it was a complete blowout. Like the right. the the broadcast switched games. Like in the third <laughs> quarter, that's how bad of a game it was. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, for me, I'm, I'm just scrolling through here. I think the Bills and the Patriots are both going to be in the playoffs. Um, Bills have been pretty puzzling. They did lose Tredavious White, which is their best cornerback on defense. Um, so that's going to hurt. It, but they did beat the Tar out of uh, the Saints on Thanksgiving. And obviously the Saints aren't a great team, 
they they don't have a quarterback right now. They're playing with Trevor Simeon. Um, but they've had a really good defense, and, and the Bills scored 31 against. So, like, that's the, the frustrating thing with the Bills is they'll put up, like, 40 in a game, and then the next game they'll score six. And it's just really puzzling because I, I don't think there's too many different people on that team from last year. It, it seems like most of the, the team returned and they supposedly made the team better, but it's not necessarily turning out. And I think they'll find their way. Uh, they still have two against the Patriots, I, if, if I remember right, and that's going to determine who wins that division. But I think both of those teams are going to make the playoffs. Uh, in the North, the North is a, a huge toss-up. you got the Ravens leading it, and then the Bengals right right next to them, 6-4. and four. They're about to beat the, the Steelers. But Steelers, Browns, they're all just within a game or two of, of each other from top to bottom in that division. So it's very puzzling um, trying to pick a team out of there. I, I'd still say that the Ravens are the best team in that division. Um, but the Bengals, they are Jekyll and Hyde. They play really well one game and, and not great another. The Steelers went on a four-game winning streak, and, you know, they're getting their butts kicked today by the Bengals. And then the Browns are another one of those teams that are Jekyll and Hyde. If they can run the ball, they win. If they can't, they lose. Um, but, yeah, and then in the AFC South, you've got the the Colts that are hard-charging, and, and then you have the, the Titans that have looked like they can beat anyone in the league. Um, except the Texans and the uh, Jets for some reason. <laughs> and then, like you said, AFC West is all it, – it's going to be the Chiefs, uh, Chargers, Raiders. They're not consistent enough to, to win that division, I don't think. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if one of those two teams makes it into the playoffs as a wild card, either the Raiders or the Chargers, but it's not going to be both. And then the Broncos, despite being – a not very good team. They they beat the Cowboys and they're sitting at five and five. So it's it's just so weird. And like out of all those teams, <laughs> the only ones I really feel confident about making the playoffs are probably the Bills, Patriots, and Ravens. Probably the Titans too. Um, although Derrick Henry is kind of a question mark there. Um, AJ Brown's yeah. been banged up. Julio Jones. So it's they've had more people on the injured list than, than anyone else in the, in the NFL. So it, who knows if it's sustainable, them keep winning, especially against good teams that they're going to match up against. So, and then like you said, in the, the NFC, I think the Cowboys are still the best team in the East and will be the representative out of that conference. Eagles are definitely charging hard, but I think they might even lose the giants today. So that's not great. Packers, I think, if you were to put them their starting roster against any team, they'd, they'd have a good chance of, of matching up, but I don't think they have great depth and that's already been getting tested with, with some of the injuries you're having on defense and offense, like you alluded to. So losing to the Vikings that are not a very good team, uh, that definitely hurts your playoff chances. But with you having the, the bears and the lions in your conference, I mean, that's pretty much, guaranteed four wins right there per season <laughs> so that helps i know and then uh buccaneers look like they're going to be in the playoffs and the rest of the south isn't great 
Panthers are losing to the Dolphins today. In fact, they benched Cam Newton because he was playing not not well. Saints don't have a quarterback. Falcons are playing good right now, but they're they're sitting there at four and six. Obviously, some of those close games aren't going their way, but they're they're not going to make the playoffs sitting at four and six. And then, like I said, <laughs> I I think Cardinals and Rams are are two really strong teams out of the NFC. There's a good chance you're going to have teams with with a losing record making it in the playoffs in the NFC, just because it's all bunched Oof. up at the bottom. But, so yeah, I think there's yeah, probably definitely going to get past these like no. elite teams in the NFC. No, but they'll make the playoffs with probably close to well, you can't have a 500 record anymore, but probably close to a losing record or maybe nine and seven or nine and eight. Sorry. So it's going to be interesting. I don't feel good about really any of the teams right now. Like I said, I think we've probably talked about it, but no one's really Do you have standing playoff? Do you have playoff predictions, like uh, Super Bowl predictions? I, If I remember right, I picked um, – I can't I – th- I think I picked Bills and Rams in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm going to go. It's kind of looking that. that way. Yeah, I don't know if it's if I'm going to change from that because it seems like. But I, like you said, no one's playing consistently enough to to feel confident <laughs> about it. So who yeah. knows? But to be you, honest, that's a, a solid solid pick. Yeah, I think I mean, it's very possible that it could happen. Are, yeah, the Bills are a high volume team. They could score in bunches, and they are very talented with a, a good defense. So you could be there. And the Rams are good enough that they could squeak in, yep. I think. I think with Matt Safford leading that team, they are infinitely better. He's been pretty banged so up, I think that's though. He's getting one. hit quite a bit. So all right. it takes is one injury to him, and that whole <laughs> formula goes downhill really quick. But yeah, isn't that anybody though, isn't it? Yeah. I I predicted Tom Brady getting hurt and that hasn't happened yet. So Well, and that scares me about the Cardinals because every year that Kyler Murray's been in the NFL, he's been banged up. And obviously he's already been that this season and they've been able to weather the storm with I think it's Case Keenum that's his backup there. Uh, playing some pretty decent football while he's out. But you can't count on you know, you're back up to carry you through the playoffs. So he's going to have to stay healthy if, if they want to have a chance to win. But well, I think they're very Tell legit. that to the Eagles. Yeah. I mean, it worked. It worked in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. But. You never know. Maybe Case Keenum would, just like in that against the Minnesota against the Saints. Uh, yep. 2018 you never know it's always possible but it's not a good formula because <laughs> more often than not those uh backups don't do so hot so um do you want to go over the green bay minnesota game at all or no i really didn't watch it it was okay. just very disappointing i watched like the last like couple minutes of the game i caught you know mvs's what, 75-yard touchdown? Yeah. 
and then they lost. So, I mean, I, I don't really have a whole lot to discuss about it. It's just disappointing. You know, holds on my heart a little bit. Yep. So. Yeah, and then Raiders can, game, I don't know if you got to watch that. It sounds like you were working, but it was, uh, I don't know, like. On Thanksgiving. Yeah, Thanksgiving. Yeah, I was watching it. Okay. Yeah, it was a pretty painful game to watch. Uh, I mean, there were 28 accepted penalties in that game. And obviously, I, th I think a good chunk of those were legitimate penalties, but there were definitely some where it was like, that was not a penalty. Like, against Cowboys, against the Raiders, both sides, I feel like they, there were a couple thrown that definitely should not have been. Uh, a lot of the ones that the, the Cowboys fans are crying about, like that last uh, pass interference they called is legitimate pass interference. Uh, all he has to do is turn around and it won't be because then he has opportunity to fight for the ball. He had inside position, well, he, but he didn't. And he just ran into the right wide receiver. So, yeah. It, if you turn around, that's perfect defense. Yep. Exactly. If you don't turn around, that is obvious pass interference. Yep. And, and that's that's exactly how it played out. Like, I get it that like we don't want that to be pass interference because you're essentially rewarding a quarterback and a wide receiver. Quarterback throws it short. Wide receiver tries to come back and get it. Uh, obviously, the defender runs into him, doesn't give him the chance to catch the ball. So that's that's where the pi is. But it, you hate to see someone get rewarded for for making a bad throw, essentially, because right. If the if the cornerback turns around, it's probably an interception. So, I get it, but at the end of the day, that's that's exactly what the definition of pass interference is. So, it's it's just frustrating because the Cowboys and the Raiders are are very similar teams. They're both typically not very disciplined. They have the the big hit threats over the top that they like to have speed on on the the skill positions, and they don't typically play good defense. So. It's uh, I thought that would be a high-scoring game, and it obviously was. It ended up being, I think it was 36-33 the Raiders won. Obviously, I'm happy that they did because had they not, it probably would have been the end of the season for them there. Uh, but as bunched up as the rest of the teams are, I mean, it's hard to write them off just yet, but I was getting pretty close to writing them off there last, last week. So uh, good to see them fight back a little bit. And then just a couple notes from Major League Baseball. Uh, Mark Canna and Starling Marte both signed with the New York Mets. So obviously those are both players from my A's last year. Uh, happy to see them both get rewarded with some, some very good contracts. Uh, Going to be sad to see Marte go specifically because he was one of our trade deadline acquisitions and he just played out of his mind for us. I was hoping we could re-sign him, but when he played the way that he did, I, I knew he was not going to be in the realm of our payroll. So uh, I don't know what else to say other than good luck in New York and be cheering for him. Uh, the only thing I'm really hoping the A's do is there's probably going to be a labor stoppage on December 2nd because the CBA is expiring on that day. That's the end of the league year. So a lot of these players are going to be signing these contracts before then. But if the A's can stop 
if they cannot make a trade until December 2nd, I think we have a chance to compete next season because if they make the trades that everyone's talking about them making, and then there's a new CBA signed in with the salary floor, these are going to have to spend at least $100 million for their payroll, which they never do. So that'll give them the opportunity to re-sign some of these players that we really want to keep around, players that are, you know, integral to us competing in our division. So I'm really hoping they don't make any moves before December 2nd so we at least have a chance in the in the offseason. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, everyone's saying there's not going to be a labor stoppage, but I, I can guarantee in four days, five days, whatever that is, there will be. And hopefully it's a short one, but we'll see what happens there. And then <clears throat> Ryan Christensen is going to interview with the Padres for the bench coach role. So he's likely to be leaving the team as well. Um, I'm not sure exactly who that's going to leave on the the staff to have an opportunity to become the, the full-time manager of the Oakland A's, but if I were to guess, it would be Mark Kotze is the only one on the staff currently that would be capable of filling that role. And then we've talked about this before, but Ron Washington is a great external candidate that has connection to the Oakland A's in the past. Uh, he's a great manager feel like he would be a, a great pickup and he's definitely my favorite for the the position so that's all I had with Major League Baseball we'll see obviously with the labor, labor stoppage there's not going to be a ton to talk about until they get a new CBA signed in so this will probably be the last little bit we talk about other than maybe next week uh, there might be a few signings I think Scherzer's probably going to sign before December 2nd so probably have something to talk about there but after that it's going to be a lot of crickets, I'm guessing. So, do you have best of the week and worst of the week? I do. What do you got? My best of the week. I uh, took off the entire week this week from work. Uh, yeah. Holiday. Sean had. Yeah, it's been holiday, and it's been great. Sean had the entire month off, basically. And I took this week off, and we've just basically hung out together, and it's been fantastic. We did an English Thanksgiving. Since they don't have Thanksgiving off, they just came over for dinner. We cooked for them. We did the whole, like, nine yards, turkeys, ham, uh, cranberry salad. It was fantastic, and it went over really really well I think so I wanted to say that was my best of the week that's great you yeah my best of the week is Thanksgiving it's my favorite holiday great time to to get together with friends Me and family um, and then Raiders played on on Thanksgiving and didn't lose so I didn't have to be pissed off on Thanksgiving <laughs> yeah fantastic <laughs> yeah and then obviously you got the the Black Friday stuff so Picked up a couple games that I've been wanting for a while and cool. paid minimal for them. So awesome there. And then my worst of the week is – actually, I'm going to have you go first. I'm going to have you go first. <laughs> okay. Mine is a little, like, obscure and political. I – we have over here that I've been hearing about 
they have tr been trying to uh, vote in more of an American system into our healthcare or their healthcare. I don't know. I, I haven't been here so long. The healthcare over here. They want to Americanize it. They want to pri privatize Ameri like healthcare over here. And it just has me terrified. Yeah, it's because interesting. The one like mega major benefit of coming over here, besides my wife, obviously, you know, my wife is number one, has been healthcare. They, I, I'm going to like sign up with the doctor. I'm going to go get shit looked at because I'm hurting and they will just look at it well they want to privatize it and it has me terrified so this last week has been scary for me and that is my 100% worst of the week yeah that's not ideal uh, my worst of the week is definitely the well I don't know I've got a couple that I'm still not sold but the uh, number one worst of the week is the labor lockout for MLB. Basically what that means is none of the contracts or any of that stuff can get sorted out until there's a new CBA in place. So <clears throat> with me already going through the uh, baseball withdrawals, that's not great when you take away essentially all the, the news of the offseason. So... That's that's probably my worst of the week. I've got a couple others that yeah. I was thinking maybe, but I think that's probably going to be my worst of the week. So, all right. Do you want to hint on them at all? Nah, I'll save them. Nah. All right. Cool. Okay. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we we cut her loose here? Nope. I think that covers uh, the last two weeks since we haven't covered. Uh, the Square State podcast. Sandlot podcast. Sandlot podcast. There you go. <laughs> All right. Is it bad that I don't even know our own podcast name? That's kind of bad. But <laughs> I'll let you get going so you can watch your Green Bay game. Looks like they're getting ready to kick off now. So um, I right. hope, hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, and back to the grind on Monday. So. All right. Everybody enjoy. See ya.